Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs, raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hey there, thanks for joining me on another episode of the Familypreneur podcast. Today's guests struggled for years with feelings of isolation, stress, and fear, all while running a business and a family. Their business almost ended their marriage, but through a great deal of vulnerability and the willingness to start by working on themselves individually, they got through it. And they now believe that you can have both a successful business and a successful relationship without sacrificing either. These experiences are what inspired them to launch whole life entrepreneurship with a mission to bring those lessons learned to other entrepreneurial families so that they too can lead better, more fulfilled lives. And today I'm excited to introduce you to the founders of whole life entrepreneurship, Carrie and Adam Anderson. Hey, Adam. Hey, Carrie. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is fantastic. I'm glad we finally connected. We have been really excited to chat with you. Yes, thanks for having us, Meg. (laughs) Yes, it's been a few months in the making, but good things are (laughs) worth the wait. So here we are. (laughs) Um, I'd love if you would talk us through the early years. So I know, Adam, that you were the one that started a business many moons ago, Mm -hmm. and Carrie wasn't involved in that business. So if you could tell me a little bit about how you made that transition, and then we can shift over to Carrie and talk about how she received or how she handled that change in your employment. Sure. So I was a road warrior for IBM doing cybersecurity consulting. And uh, it was so bad uh, and on the road so often that even my golden retriever began to growl at me when I got home. And that's a real solid sign that you probably need to do something different. And uh, a friend of mine said, hey, why don't you get off the road and uh, start your own company and I will hire you. And I thought, oh, good. Entrepreneurship's got to be easier than being a consultant for IBM. I was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. So it started being like you started off by yourself and then it quickly kind of other opportunities came along uh, and he was able to bring on extra people, extra people. Um, but before we knew it, it was a full blown kind of beast of its own. Uh, and I had nothing to do with the, the company at the time. My kids were young. I was in mama mode. I was a nurse and I was kind of rocking my own, um, career over to the side. And, um, as time went on, the business just required me to kind of Um, give up more and more to be able to facilitate what the business needed. And so we kind of got into this ugly, nasty habit of the business was sort of the sun and everything else revolved around it. And Adam had to travel a good bit. Um, 
So not only did we have a lot of physical distance between the two of us, but we started having a lot of emotional distance too. I mean, we, we, we talk about the fact that my two-year-old at the time was so used to hearing me interact with Adam over FaceTime instead of face-to-face that he started calling him Adam. Yeah, not dad, Adam. Yeah, so there was a lot of what we call FaceTime parenting going on. Uh, and so I started kind of, um, building up a lot of resentment because I was the completely responsible for everything home-based and uh, I had no idea what was going on with the business. And then, you know, some things happened that I was not aware of in the business and not because Adam was keeping anything from me necessarily, just because it wasn't my business. Yeah. We got in the habit of not communicating. We mm-hmm. got in the habit of each of us being our own individual. She was CFO, chief family officer. I was CEO, chief uh, entrepreneurial officer. And uh, we did not uh, mix well. So I came home one day and said, hey, we didn't get two, uh, we, we lost two million bucks. Just thought I'd let you know. Well, she got Ooh. real serious. Yeah. I was like, wait, what? Um, so we started having a lot of issues at home. The more issues we had at home, um, the more Adam would stay out working on the business, uh, that actually you would think that that would have made the business better, but it actually didn't. A lot of our family problems were sort of bleeding over into the business as well. And it just got to the point where both of our lives across all boards were really, really sick and unhealthy. So I know, I know you wrote a book about this process. Did that book, did that book start at this point or did you write it after you solved some of those Uh, issues? So she wrote it in the middle of us coming out of all this. So we tell people that, you know, we were at a point where both of us felt like we were drowning and we were looking at each other to save each other. And so, you know, I don't know if you know about drowning people, but the number one thing you do not do is you do not swim out to a drowning person because as soon as you get near, they grab you in a panic and push you straight down. <laughs> uh, and so this, uh, look at our marriage in that way. We were like, oh, I'm drowning, you're drowning, I'll get close, maybe you can help me. And then we just smack the crap out of each other. <laughs> uh, not literally, this is a figurative thing, but it wasn't until Carrie decided that she needed to float on her back and go to shore that we began to heal. And when she was on the beach, uh, sipping a mimosa or whatever, and I'm still flailing around in the ocean, and I saw her over there. Uh, she led by example. And it took me about a year and a half to follow up. But by the time I had gotten out of the water, she'd really codified a lot of the things uh, that helped her reach, um, reach the shore. And so that's really what she wrote the book about. And matter of fact, I was so impressed with what she did. She's like, you know, I should write a book about this. And I'm like, yeah, you need to immediately go do that because uh, your example is what got me out of the out of the water. And I know other people need it too. So Carrie, what was that process like? Like, what was it? Like, how did you get out of the water, if you will? Yeah, well, I got so wrapped up in mom life um, and facilitating the business life that I kind of completely lost myself. And I was a little ugly about it, I think. And I didn't really know that that's what it was. So I didn't have much to do, but to blame him. 
Um, and so I kept getting to the point where I just was miserable all the time. And then one day, I mean, everybody says, what was like the thing that turned everything around? There's never really been one thing that I can pinpoint. There are a couple of things that I can highlight. Like a friend of mine said to me, seems like you've always got one foot out the door. What if you just close the door? And I was like, well, that's stupid. Why would I do that? Then I can't escape. I'd have to be stuck in there with this guy. So um, (laughs) I started realizing that uh, I really couldn't change him. I really couldn't change our circumstances. I really couldn't fix anything. But my misery was my problem. So I started getting to the point where I could look in the mirror and be happy with who I saw. And I quit trying to make him responsible for my results. So that's basically what I did. I did a couple of years of um, just getting healthy on my own, kind of doing, you know, like Carrie got her groove back. I just kind of got to the point where I was happy with me again. Meanwhile, some of the habits that he had formed um, we're continuing to be a problem for him and for our family, but I quit putting a whole lot of expectation on, for instance, he would stay out very late and schmooze and booze and it would cause issues. And then one night, um, you know, a lot of that was, you know, he would come home and it would start a fight and here we wouldn't talk for then a month. And we just kind of got out of the habit of, I just, let him do his own thing. I couldn't be responsible for what he was going to do. So then one night I get a call at like 11 o'clock from his phone. And I think it's him telling me, Oh, I'm I'm running late, blah, blah, blah. And I answer it. And it's a cop on his phone saying to me, Oh, uh, he's very inebriated. I've got him on the side of the road, but I'll, I won't take him to jail today. I will let you come pick him up if you can and send him home with you. I think you're probably scarier than jail. And I was like, okay. Um, So I I think that that was a really low point for him too, to be like, oh my gosh, not only did she come and pick me up, but she's not screaming at me. She's not yelling at me. She's making me live in my own consequences. And I think that was a shifting for you as well. So we started getting healthier. We started like really sharing life together again, as opposed to living on separate islands. Um, And then Adam started working for the Clemson MBA program here in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, And so he was working with many, many young entrepreneurs and he was telling them and coaching them on how to start these businesses. And they would be like, yeah, 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 cool. Um, Now, how do I get my wife on board for us to like (laughs) cash out our 401ks and go start this business? You know, and he was like, I think you need to talk to my wife. So we would go out with these couples, these young couples, and we would talk about what it was like to start a business, some of the truths, you know, behind the myths about owning your own business and what the expectations could be going, you know, from startup to a mature business. And really, once we started sharing our story and realizing, hey, we weren't the only ones who were struggling with these kind of things. That was kind of when I said, oh, we actually have learned something of value. We should go and share it. I'll write a book. Um, And then I was like, bucket list, check, girl, write a book. That's all I need to do. Um, And I I went and I was asked to give a talk about it. um, And it got a little bit of attention. And from there, we decided that um, 
we could actually make us something out of this, that this was something that the world needed to understand that you could be a successful entrepreneur without having to sacrifice everything you love. Like you can have both, Mm. um, but you have to learn to find the balance. And there were so many golden nuggets in there. You talked about how you really focused on the things that were in your control. You know, you know, you can't control somebody else. So you focused on what you could control, but you also still stayed supportive. And then you were there for him when he needed you. And then he came around too. So I love that. I love that you guys are willing to share the story because I think it's so easy just as people, as humans to want to push the negative, like those those mistakes, those downfalls, those accidents, like push them under the rug, you know, and forget about them. Um, but there's so many people out there who, and many of them may be listening who, you know, they hit rock bottom or they think they've hit rock bottom and they don't really see how, how they can climb up from there. So seeing somebody who's done that is, is awesome. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and then what I want to, the third thing, the last thing I'm going to like <laughs> recap here, because I just want to make sure these, these, these issues, these things get through is, um, I love that you took that the book, it didn't, you didn't intend for it maybe to be market research, but that's what it was. So like you just went with it. And I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we have to just do what, what our heart leads us to do, but then stay receptive to how people are reacting to what we're doing and then find the thing that people are reacting positively to and then figure out how to expand on it and make it better to impact more people. And it sounds like that's mm-hmm. exactly what this book was for you. Oh yeah. The, the idea of impacting. So we've um, founded or been the primary investors in over 21 startups and Ooh. the, the whole life entrepreneurship business that, that Carrie is, is spearheading is by far our favorite. And you can point right at the word you just said, which is impact. Everything else has been interesting ways to make money. This has been an interesting way to have a massive impact on the world. And it is something that we are uniquely qualified in our circles to have gone through. The, the, the fact that she has a psychiatric nursing background, mm-hmm. the fact that uh, um, you know, we've had such high reps in this business world, we've, we've, it's almost like we've been perfectly crafted over the last 20 years to have this business come at the time that it did uh, and and showing up every day and having one or two conversations and knowing that you just helped someone change their life around. That's the kind of impact that makes it just amazingly exciting. And law. my wife is a workhorse. <laughs> she doesn't stop working. And I, I like the whole work smarter, not harder thing, but she's like, how about smarter and harder? I'm like, okay, but so (laughs) how do you avoid burnout? How do you avoid some of that? Well, we're really plugged into the why we're really plugged into the impact. And yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And it's a whole different thing too. First of all, I mean, one of the things that we've really, really discovered is um, how the family aspect of business and how a business affects a family is really underrepresented. Mm-hmm. Now that goes for whether or not you are a partner has, you know, it could be, it could be a stay at home mom who, who sells Amway, but her husband really has no idea how that works or how, what that means to her and how that fits into the family. Even if, even if that just pays for groceries or a car payment or something like 
for them, it's, it's part of who they are. And so it's important for us to understand how it fits in to the life cycle of a family. And Mm -hmm. so we've been really, really trying to figure out exactly how we can advocate for the family in the context of business, because we really, really think that the way to skyrocket your business is to connect it to your why and align your business goals with those of your family. You know, it's, if he wants to make a gazillion dollars and I, and go live on a yacht, but I, I want to make a gazillion dollars and give it away to the homeless. We have conflicting goals. Not if we let them on the yacht. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there's, here's the thing is there's a big, big difference than being drug along on a mission as opposed to buying into a thing and doing it together. Yes. And that makes all the difference. Our real good friend, Trisha Harp, um, does some lecturing like this as well. And she has this video that is uh, people who one person on a roller coaster loves it and the other one was drug on it and hates it. And she's like, welcome to entrepreneurship. And here's the thing. <laughs> if you are drug onto a roller coaster and you hate the roller coaster, when you get off the roller coaster, you hate that person. Not the roller coaster. Not the roller coaster. You hate the person who drug you on it. (laughs) But if it was a collaboration, hey, you think maybe getting on the roller coaster might be a good idea? Yeah, you might still hate the roller coaster, but when you get off, you look at each other and you're like, ah, it wasn't smart. Let's not do that one again. Then it's a shared experience. Shared decisions, shared experience. Which is different. Shared results. So it's really, I mean, it's all communication. It sounds like that's like the number one piece is is communication and and compromise so that you, even if you don't a hundred percent agree, you like 50% agree and are willing to go along with the the plan. Well, shit. We've even found that it can be as little as 20% agree, but as long as you have the conversation up front and it is made together, I mean, it's it's it doesn't take a lot to switch over from conflict to constructive and it, the problem is is that a lot of people dive into communication planning goal setting all this stuff before they do the self work to make sure they're healthy enough to get constructive criticism to not have to be the boss to not have to win um and so yes i 100% agree it's all about communication and the thing right before that is make sure you show up into the communication in a way that's constructive rather than I must win and you must lose. And I, that totally reflects the story that Carrie, you told earlier, right? right? Like it's, it's, that's totally the connection there. So I would like to know in all of this journey of yours, what are the pains that you guys have discovered that most or all entrepreneurial families are facing. I think sometimes it can be hard when you're in those shoes to be able to like pick out what the pain points are. So we'd, I'd love to hear what they are so that our listeners can like reflect. Well, we've, we have talked to hundreds upon hundreds of entrepreneurs and spouses as well. Some of those spouses are involved in the business. Some of them are not. Some of them are equal partners in a business. Some have, one has a, some sort of power position over the other lots. But um, the things that we have, and actually recently we've expanded this a little bit because, I mean, we're continuously learning and developing um, this as we go, because again, it's been really underrepresented. So this is kind of all groundbreaking when we look at it. So 
My husband has an odd sense of humor. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> he made, he made. Hey, 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 be careful how much you set it up. Just, <laughs> just, just go. Otherwise you're killing the joke. He says that, uh, entrepreneurs and their spouses on opposite ends of a spectrum are all experiencing the same thing. And it stands for ass, A-S-S, alone, stressed, and scared. We've recently expanded that to asses, alone, stressed, scared, encumbered, and sacrifice. So those are all things that that every entrepreneur is having to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Oftentimes they're alone, they're isolated. They're often, um, you know, big man at the top. They're stressed. You know, there's always some deadline to meet, something that needs to be turned in. Somebody needs to get paid. So that's <laughs> always stressful. Um, fear, fear of not being enough, fear of failure, fear of fear of success, fear of success, whatever that may be. Encumbrance, meaning again, you are the sole bearer of the burden, the risk, the responsibility. That's heavy. And sacrifice, sacrifice, again, something that happens on both sides of a family, right? It's the, the primary entrepreneur and also the significant other. In fact, the whole family, Yep. somebody's sacrificing something, um, time, energy, effort, uh, attention, somebody's, you know, I, I mean, I cannot tell you how many times my kids have poked their head in the door and we're like, mommy and daddy are recording. You know, I mean, so there's always something, you know, somebody's sacrificing almost, almost a hundred percent of the time. You missed it just a second ago when my kid popped in over here and I just put a little finger up like, to let her know. <laughs> so I, I know you didn't see it, but it just happened. Yep. There you go. Absolutely. You know what? They don't care that we are professionals. Like my, my dad used to say he would, he knew he would be successful when one day his kids would respect his credentials. And I now understand that that will never happen for me either. And so love the kids where they are, support them how they are, but let's never expect them to think we're big deals (laughs) or doing anything important. (laughs) And it's funny because I think they will think that you're a big deal at some point. I took my kiddo with me to a conference once where people wanted to take their picture with me because I was speaking at the conference. And, you know, that happens Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when you go places. And Mm -hmm. she looked at me and goes, I didn't know you were famous. Like, all of a sudden. (laughs) It's me me and Kim Kardashian. (laughs) We're like this. (laughs) We're in the same circles. It was funny. (laughs) So now that we've we've outlined it, you're going to have to say it again because what was the E stand for encumbrance? It's, It's asses. It is alone, stressed, Scared, encumbered, and sacrifice. Encumbered. And I feel like encumbered, that's my number one. That's a good uh-huh. one, isn't it? Ooh, yeah. And, and the last two are the ones we've recently added on because there's just such a weight. There's such a weight that entrepreneurs have to carry. But, you know, mm. al- alternatively, there's such a weight that that a, that a, a partner who's not involved has to yes. deal with too. I mean, you know, this guy for the longest didn't even know where the toilet paper was. No, wait, let, let me clarify. That's a I huge knew burden. where it was in the bathroom. I didn't know where the extra rolls were stored. I really want to be clear on that. <laughs> uh, and this encumbered thing was interesting because we, by the way, we are huge fans of counseling. Go get counseling. To me, a marriage counselor is like any other consultant you hire. If I'm going to do a new strategic plan. I'm going to get a business coach. Why in the world wouldn't I go get a professional to help me with the next stage of my, uh, my marriage? Uh, so we were in a, a, a counseling session and this encumbered thing came up 
And uh, she said it a little differently. I was having the weight on my, on my shoulders and I didn't want to put pressure on Carrie because it looked like she had all this stuff. I saw she was encumbered. She saw I was encumbered and we both wanted to not stress the other one out. And she's like, oh, you guys are so good at protecting each other. Looks like you're going to protect each other right out of a marriage. I'm like, oh, crap. We're doing the encumbered oh, no. thing wrong. Yeah. So, and, you know, there, it, encumbered is a slippery slope. Um. You know, when you're, when you're living your life like Atlas and you're the only one who can carry the world, you're incredibly overly self-reliant. And Mm -hmm. that can be a real blind spot for entrepreneurs um, because then we, we become workaholics. We um, have a, a tendency to micromanage. We, we don't sleep. We are incredibly stressed out, and it's because we don't know how to ask for help. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to share. We don't know how to do it. We don't know how to recharge. We don't know how to trust anybody to do it at our levels. I mean, it's, a, it's an incredible burden, and it's exhausting. And what ends up happening in, in the big scheme is you do. You, you become burnout. You become disillusioned in what you're doing. You become disconnected mm. from your purpose in what you're doing. And all of a sudden you turn around and you're completely miserable and you've built a business that you thought you really wanted when really you're ending up doing, spending 95% of your time doing stupid mundane tasks that you hate and it carries over into your life and you're resentful of the business because it's the boss. It's the one telling you, you can't go to your kid's recital. It's the one who forgot your wife's birthday and you're still having to live out the consequences of it. So it's just such a trickle down. Still living out the consequences of it. (laughs) (laughs) How many years later? (laughs) We're not ready to be that vulnerable. Just just know know, it has. We told you a lot already. Yeah, yeah. I think it had quite enough. We, We don't need to go all the way into that. But you know, that's the interesting thing is... Um, your this encumbered thing leads to burnout. Yeah. And no matter how good you are, no matter how long it goes, if you stay in burnout mode for enough time, it's the, the reason businesses fail. And I just love the idea that the best way you can help your business is you avoid burnout. The best way to avoid burnout is to build a strong family foundation and a good support structure and to do life with somebody that you love, cherish, and trust. Yep. So at the end of the day, um, we have this business that makes us a living, but we might be a little bored or disillusioned and we're resentful of the fact that it's taking all our time and our energy and we're feeling disconnected from our people, from our purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, We might be making money, but we might not. And so we really, really believe that to take your business to the next level, you got to kind of start from scratch and start thinking about balance across all areas of your life. And certainly relationships are a big chunk of that. But it's other stuff too. You have to figure out how, we call it the four Ps. You have to figure out how you're going to show up for your person, like you as a person, your people, for your purpose and for your profit. So that's kind of where whole life entrepreneurship comes in, is we are helping entrepreneurs figure out how to live successful lives without regret. We, we really, really believe that it's possible to, to do it all. And actually, if you slow down and you check yourself a little bit, it can even 
level up your business. And you've got a tool, right? That can help folks who are listening. Because I know, you know, there's so many, we've talked about so much already. It can be easy to feel like, yup, 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 (laughs) yup. But then what do I do first? Where do I start? What's most important? You have a tool for that, right? Yeah. So inside of each of those four Ps, we do something called the three Cs. And that's learn how to chill, which is how do I recharge? Who, who am I? Reconnect with what I am because your identity is wrapped up in the business or your identity is wrapped up in your family. And you got to find out who I am again. Remember, start with who you are first. How do you do self-healing? That's chill. Then you go into what we talked about, communication. How well am I communicating? How well am I listening? Because some of us are really good at flapping our jaw and not so good at processing what someone else is saying. I'm not pointing any fingers. But, and... Uh, I don't know if you're pointing at me or your wife. So. <laughs> I, was, I was pointing at myself. I own that. That's me. I'll take that one. And then the last is community. Because what happens is you get really plugged into yourself. And you're like, yes, I got it. I'm, I'm woke. I'm healthy. I'm doing this great stuff. Oh, I'm communicating. Great. You're still going to suffer from burnout because you can't be on all the time. You can't be 100% connected to yourself all the time. You can't. Con- and so you need support structures in your life. And that's why you need to build a community. So the three C's are chill, communication, and community. And we have a little assessment that lets you do a self-assessment on yourself, but then also how you think your uh, your spouse is doing. And you take this mm-hmm. separately, and then you compare notes. Uh, for example, I know it brings me joy. One out of ten, I will take for this. Okay. I know it brings my wife joy or my spouse joy. Oh, totally I do. And I put like an eight. And then she checks that out, and she goes like, no, son, you do not. You, you are, got a three. <laughs> you got a three, right? So we, you assess yourself, you assess your spouse uh, and at the end of it, it's all subjective. So there's no science here other than the fact that you're asking good questions and starting good conversations. And that's what this is all about. And the, the way this tool is really supposed to be used is you take it every three months or so and you just see if you can move one of those scores a little bit every quarter. I like that. Yeah. It's easy. You're not supposed to flip a switch and become instantly a perfect. Look, perfect's boring. All of our best stories comes from something going wrong. So let's not try to avoid stuff going wrong. Let's just make sure we're resilient, caring, compassionate, and forgiving, and it'll be fine. Yeah, and we have some other follow-up tools that we offer as well, and all of those are on our website at wlemission.com. Yep, slash familypreneur. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I don't want to go just yet. Um, yeah, don't I leave. also. I don't want to go. Stay with me. So I also want to talk about your families. I feel like I know they're very integrated, you know, but um, I know you do a family business meeting and Mm -hmm. I'd love to dive into that a little bit to see how you bring your kids into this discussion as well. So what does that look like? (laughs) So the kids, we have an eight-year-old boy and a 11-year-old girl and they are just fantastic. Uh, They're absolutely amazing. And the way the family business meeting works is we use this as a once a week opportunity to talk about all the things you always tried not to talk about. You know, there's always things that you don't want to bring up or it's just not really. So what we do is a weekly family business meeting between Carrie and I, where we talk about money, we talk about the house, we talk about this, but then we do a nightly mini business meeting with the kids where we ask them, Hey, 
Tell me about your day. What went right? What went wrong? What does this mean for you? And we, we go through a certain set of questions with them and they get to answer sometimes when they feel like it. Um, <laughs> but the idea is to get them in habit of talking about the bigger picture. And our daughter, the more she's, she's now aged to the point where she's getting ready to really start taking part in some of the more adult conversations. And so we're working through, okay, how do we get her into these weekly meetings where we're talking about adult things? Because she wants to be an adult now at 11. And I'm like, girl, she already picked out the house she wants in Zillow and has figured out the amount of money she needs to make every month to pay for the mortgage. And I'm like, are we that bad that you got to go now? Slow down, <laughs> kitten. Yeah. Uh, and we also have them um, talk through our beginning of the year vision, values, and goals. Yes. And so it gives us an opportunity to say, okay, what do the Andersons believe? We believe in this. We want to do this. We want to be people who do this. So if we want to be people who travel and we look at our bank account and we look at our calendar and we don't have anything planned, then we're not really living out our values. If we want to be people who are generous and donate our time and money and we look at our calendar and we look at our bank account and there are no serving opportunities, there's nothing that we've donated recently, then that's an indication that we're not really living out who we say we are. Yeah, that was a two and a half hour meeting with our, our kids, by the way. And we, we, and I, I'm not kidding. I have this as part of what we call the Anderson Bible. And every year we kind of go through and we say, this is who we are. This is what we believe. And this is why we do this. Here are the, here are the parameters that we set around these things because this is who we say we are. Yep. And, you know, we can't give of our time if all you're doing is sitting on an iPad you know, nine hours out of a day. That is why your time is restricted. You don't have to ask me why. You know why. That's right. You set the value. Actually. You set the values. So it's it's actually been really great to have them be a part and really understand how they fit in to why we do things the way we do in our family. Well, you know, what's also interesting is it is sometimes hard to take the time to listen to your kids. I don't know what your kids are like, but mine sometimes are random and they say things. <laughs> They're like turtles. And I'm like, that's why I don't, <laughs> I don't actually, I'm not interested in what you're saying. I love you, but I could care less about the thing that you're talking about right now. And so getting a structure together where we can get them to say what they value and what they're interested in, in a bigger context, we can actually help craft a life that they love. I can make sure they're in the right uh, activities. I can make sure they're getting encouraged in the right way. I he- think I heard someone say the secret to being an amazing parent is finding out what your kids love and saying, you should probably do that. And yeah. we know now because we took the time, uh, two and a half hours, I would suggest you do it quicker. But like I said, <laughs> my wife, very thorough. And, uh, <laughs> we make it fun. We it make is. it, it we make it fun and they're engaged and they like that they're part of a team. They're not just people who are being Absolutely. bossed around. And again, it's the buy-in that matters. It's when you feel like you're a part of something bigger than mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. that you become more invested. You push back less. You become less resilient. You become more intrinsically motivated. And everything stays just a little more chill because everybody's on, in this together. 
And I can easily see how the whole process could even be gamified a little bit. Like you can make it fun. You can make it exciting. And I know when the kids get older, you're giving me an idea, an entrepreneurial idea, Meg. That's, Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh Oh, sorry. y'all. That's Um, okay. (laughs) Vision value and goal monopoly. That would be fantastic. Yeah. That would be a really cool thing. Anyhow, um, I know as kids get older, they can be a little more resistant to stuff. My oldest is 12, so I'm kind of there with you mm-hmm. and your 11-year-old. Um, but I also know that the kids like to be involved in what we're doing. They like to feel like they're, they're grown up. So yep. I can definitely see how having that meeting would really help to just get everybody excited and on the same page. Sure. We actually end up traveling a good bit nowadays together and the kids are in school here so they stay home and so now that we are on the road a little bit more kind of taking this show on the road um it has been quite a shift from you know I was a stay-at-home mom for for a while and they were very used to me being at their fingertips well now I can't be there for every Valentine's Day party and you know I, I can't make cookies for every soccer game like I could have a few years back. Um, and instead of being resentful and angry at me for that, they get it. In mm-hmm. fact, there was a day <laughs> just this week where I, I don't know, Meg, if you've ever had an opportunity for your technology to just tick you off to the point where you feel like you're going to throw something out the window. But that oh, happened yeah. to me this week. And my daughter uh, walked in and she asked me for something, and, and I she, just was she like, wanted to show you a drawing. Look what she, I did. She wanted Mom. to show me something. And I just went, ah! and I just bust out <laughs> of tears, which is really unlike me. But I was just so overwhelmed. I had a deadline. I needed stuff to work. I was trying to cook dinner, do laundry. I had a thing in like an hour, and she wanted me to do another thing, and I was just so overwhelmed. I just bust out crying. She was like, "Oh." crap, I broke her. Um, but she, she was like, she just walks over to me and she just puts her arm around me. And she's like, it's okay, mom, take a deep breath. What's the next best thing you can do? And I was like, oh my gosh, I might be killing it at this parenting thing. The technology <laughs> stuff, not so much. I'm not killing it at that, but this parenting thing uh, today I'm doing well. Um, but yeah, they, it means so much more when she's like, She's understanding that what we're doing is not just important for us. It's important for her too. She gets it. She gets that we need to do this as part of who we are. Um, And she's seeing us invest the time and she's seeing us literally invest the blood, sweat and tears and, uh, and that it just means so much to us. And so she's super flexible about it. Don't you think she's, amazingly flexible with it when, you know, normally she's just like, give me what I want and give it to me now. But with that, she's very, very understanding. And I know your daughter also has entrepreneurial goals. You touched on them because she's picked out her house. And I love that she not, she, (laughs) I feel like she didn't just pick out her house and she just expects it to, you know, manifest itself one day. She's making a plan to get there. So she's got a whole bunch of entrepreneurial 
things going on. Can you touch on that and maybe how you're, or how you've had to shift to encourage her and support her through her own entrepreneurial endeavors? So she, her first little company was called evaswag.com and she would take digital art that she had drawn and she would stick it on drop shipped phone cases, right? Pretty, pretty straightforward, Shopify, all the things. Or a tote bag or a pillowcase yep. or whatever. And the problem that I discovered is that I was just empowering her to do everything, but she also wasn't ready to do everything. And so what we have learned through various failures is she's very interested in this. She wants to create and she wants to do entrepreneurship. But we have to, you know, when I start a company, I'm not the, the everything. I outsource the things I'm not good at. So I am trying to also have that for her where she can outsource things to her mom and I that are not her strengths so that we can get the thing done quickly and she can move on out. So where she has become very gifted is in digital media. She can create amazing uh, illustrations. She's doing animations. And she's really loving that world. And the thing that she's playing with right now, but is not good at yet, Mm -hmm. is 3D modeling so that she can print out 3D, you know, figures of of all the things she's doing. So, um, but the thing that's very cool is that she's very, so right now she's writing. She's writing a Harry Potter fan fiction book. And we literally can't get her off the iPad because she's like, (laughs) she's like, look, dad. Most of your books are 20,000 words long. I'm already 10,000 in. I was like, yeah, well, I had to. Good job. (laughs) Keep it up. I'm proud. (laughs) So she's going through all of the reps. She's getting all the practice. She's logging all the hours. Um, And the thing that is encouraging to me is she understands sustainability through profitability. She understands that if she wants the freedom to continue to create and have all the things that she wants that she has to monetize it in some way. So that way she can pay for herself. And the fact that she's already figured out that this is possible is so encouraging. And the the thing that I'm really trying to get, uh, the next step is your money should be independent on how you spend your time. And so when she is creating things, she's always thinking, how can I create it once? So it sells over and over and over and over and over again. So I don't have to keep doing it. I'm like, well done. And then our son, uh, he likes Fortnite. <laughs> That's about the extent. Of- <laughs> but I really have to give Adam the credit here because, uh, you know, a lot of Adam's success has been outside of any traditional education. I mean, he, I, in fact, I boast that I'm the only person in this house with a college degree per se. He's got some certifications and things, but, um, he had some challenges as a student and our daughter experiences some of that too. And I think that it's very, very easy. I think especially for girls to become very defeated when it comes to any traditional school education challenges. Adam has empowered her at a very young age to say, listen, this is adult school. We are teaching, we're raising adults here. We're not raising kids. What you got to do is you got to be, a contributing person to society. You got to be able to pay your bills. You got to be able to pay your way. And you don't necessarily have to have a thousand degrees to be able to do that. You have a talent. Now we just have to figure out how to use that talent to your advantage. If you want to go to school, cool. 
Um, right now you have to go to school as an 11 year old because you have to check those boxes, Mm -hmm. but ultimately, uh, your future is your own. And so she will like, she's her, her pastime is going and seeing how much she would have to make to get this particular Prius or this, (laughs) this house on Zillow, you know, like what 11 year old does that? And it's so funny. She's like, if I just charged this much Mm -hmm. for this particular figurine, and then I did this a hundred thousand times, that's all I got to do. And I was like, it's like, yeah, babe, that's all you have to do. The basics, you know, move a hundred thousand units of, I don't even need trigonometry for that. I'm like, you are right. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting thing because now as entrepreneurs, we're thinking so out of the box that we're accidentally on purpose teaching that to our kids. And I, I have a, a daughter who's had some, some, I mean, I can't say that there's similar issues because we're not getting into that, but right. she's had some issues in school. Um, and I remember, I remember vividly the day that we talked about how college was optional. Yeah. Totally. And like, she wouldn't be judged or like, I don't have an expectation. Yep. There's no requirement. And there was this like kind of relief that Absolutely. set it. I mean, and I don't know where she even got that pressure to begin with. Like, I don't know where it came from, but I love that we live at a time where it's relatively easy and accessible to pursue whatever passion that you have. I mean, that's really the reason this podcast came to be. So I love hearing that story and (laughs) what she's doing is, is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not to slight your son either. Who's not interested. Um, He's because that's fine too. Yeah, he, he's interested, but he does it his own way. He's uh, he's going to be a scientist. He's going to be an inventor. Um, it, it, I mean, you know this. The amazing thing about kids is that each one of them is a unique person who has the unique gifts and their unique, unique struggles. And I mean, I love them both. Stupid. Yeah. I love them so much. And it's absolutely cool for him to be exactly who he is. And if yep. he decides he wants to entrepreneur like a boss, that's fine. If he decides that he wants to go to MIT and create the next whiz bang, whatever, I'll sell it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, I want to thank, I mean, this has been such a great episode. Thank you so much for making this happen, even though it took months to get us connected. Um, It was definitely worth it for us. I know you dropped your website and stuff, but I would love to just end once more with where people can connect with you, learn more about you and take that assessment. Yep. You can go to the uh, landing page, which is at wlemission.com slash familypreneur. WLE stands for whole life entrepreneurship. But man, entrepreneurship is hard to type. And so So many, we did not want that in our URL. So it's wlemission.com slash familypreneur. Or you can find us on Facebook at whole life entrepreneurship, which I think is Facebook slash wlemission. Awesome. I will put those links in the show notes too. I know entrepreneur is one of those words that like 50% of the population just can't figure out how to spell anyhow. And sometimes I'm one of them. So (laughs) this is what's unfair about that. A large percentage of us entrepreneurs are dyslexic and then they give us that word. Come on. Come on. That's just being mean. I know. I know. And if anybody has a better way to say what this relationship is, entrepreneurial relationships. I mean, please let us know because we still have not been able to find the English to describe exactly what 
a marriage within a business is. So <laughs> I don't know. I think familypreneur sounds pretty family cool. Familypreneur is pretty cool. Yeah, entrepreneur <laughs> in it though, which still trips people up. Like the ease and the use uh-huh. and the Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. We'll put all those links in the show notes. And I really appreciate you sharing all of your stories and knowledge with us. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. That's it for today's episode of the Familypreneur Podcast. You will find all of the links mentioned in this week's episode and the show notes at megbrunson.com slash podcast. Until next week, I'll see you over in the Familypreneur community. Bye for now. Do us a favor. Share this podcast to a friend. It's like my mom always says, sharing is caring.